Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. I hope everyone had a good weekend. This is the last weekend without regular season baseball games for a while, and I am super excited about that. I bet you are, too. I'm also super excited that we are back on our DS, and by that, I mean we are back to our daily shows. I'm going to host a solo show on Monday. Drew Silva and Janet Scurio will have their power rankings on Tuesday. Colin Henderson and I will be live on Wednesdays. Me and a guest on Thursdays and Drew along with DJ Short on Friday. And we'll be recording those last three shows live. So stay tuned on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 8.30 Eastern to our Twitch channel to check those out. The link to that, twitch.com slash NBC Sports Edge. And before we get started, I do want to remind everybody, the 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available now. And we're giving our listeners a very special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. What you get is your fantasy baseball draft expert insight and tools at one low price. So you go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. You use promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. It's awesome information. I'm incredibly biased. Still would recommend it very, very much. So these Monday episodes are going to have a little bit of a prospect feel to open the year. And that's probably because that's what I like to talk about. And without tooting my horn, a lot of people ask me prospect questions. And this is a great way to answer them, you know, without having to slide too far into my DMs. But please send me your questions via DM. I I love it. It's fun. And this is a great way to answer those questions. Um, I've left everything anonymous here because I know a lot of you are worried about your league mates stealing information, sneaky, sneaky. But my Twitter handle is at Crawford, M-I-L-B, Crawford underscore M-I-L-B, that is. I will do my very best to answer your questions. This will be fun. I already reached out to a bunch of folks and got a bunch of really interesting questions. So we'll start with that. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to be revealing the top 10 prospects for 2022. Can't wait. It's really exciting. A ton of really fun prospects. But let's go with the questions first, just because you guys asked so nicely, and uh, I get to do my best to answer as nicely as you ask. The first question comes from me uh, about Jose Miranda. The question is, why am I so low on Jose Miranda? Well, I don't really think I'm low on Jose Miranda. I do think he's one of the best third-base prospects in the sport. 
I do think that he has a chance to be a contributor this year. I just think that we maybe need to be a little bit careful with taking a look at the numbers that Jose Miranda put up last year. Now, those numbers were ridiculous. He hit 344, 401, 572, 30 homers, 94 RBIs, only struck out 74 times in about a total of, uh, gosh, 535. That's a very low number, especially for what's going on. I just think this is a player that kind of took advantage of the fact that upper level pitching was not very good last year. Wasn't horrible, but it was there were very few upper echelon prospects pitching at the higher levels. And I think Jose Miranda took a took a little bit of advantage of that. Now that doesn't mean he can't play. I see a player who has a hit tool that gets above average grades or 55 on the 2080 scouting scale, power maybe a little bit above that. I have some real defensive questions here. Like third base is probably his best position. It's an average arm, give or take. Um, Not going to steal very many bases. And, you know, Colin and I talk about this all the time, and any fantasy baseball show is going to talk about it. Stolen bases matter, especially when you're talking about an infielder. Now, at third base, it doesn't matter as much. You're you're really hoping for five to ten from the position a lot of times. If you get more than that, like hoping Key Brian Hayes runs more, hopefully he's healthy and gets a chance to do that. But he's not going to be a big contributor in that category. So if he's at second base, then that matters a little bit more. But I do like Jose Miranda. I do think he's a prospect that is worth keeping an eye on. I just think we need to be careful just taking a look at those stats and assuming that he's going to be a star. I don't see star. I see average regular. Nothing wrong with that. But I think you can probably do better in fantasy circles. Uh, Next question was about Edward Cabrera versus Tanner Hawk. And as you can probably guess, this person wanted to know if he should keep Edward Cabrera or Tanner Hawk. This was an interesting one to me, but I have to go with Cabrera just because of the upside. I actually think they're fairly similar hurlers. It's just Cabrera has so much more upside because of his swing and miss potential. They offer similar risks. There is a good chance that Edward Cabrera is going to be a reliever. Now, I think he's going to be a high leverage reliever if he ends up being a reliever. Somebody that could be a traditional closer if traditional closers are a thing that exists in a couple of years. Hawk, I think, is more likely to actually end up being a starter. But I see more of a mid-rotation back-end type of guy. And if he moves to the bullpen, being that multi-inning type of guy. I can't see Tanner Hawk being a closer at this point. Garrett Whitlock is more of a closer type to me than a Tanner Hawk would be. But I really like Edward Cabrera. Uh, He's a borderline top 50 prospect for me. Was not surprised to see he didn't make the roster, but, you know, there's still a long-term future here with Cabrera. I would keep Cabrera over Hawk with the caveat being that, like, if you are only keeping for this year, I think Tanner might be the better play. But if you're talking long-term, I think Cabrera is the better play. Uh, Thoughts on Vinny Pasquantino, and I'm so glad that somebody asked about him because, first of all, what a tremendous name. And second of all, I think this is one of the most underrated prospects in baseball right now. Now, for those who aren't familiar, the Kansas City Royals have one of the very best first base prospects in baseball in Nick Prado, and he is the better prospect and the one who's certainly more likely to contribute in 2022. Uh, Had absolutely monster numbers. One of the rare first basemen who actually has a chance to provide some steals. Tremendous power. But Pasquantino is really interesting. This is a six foot four, 245 pound first baseman who has a chance to hit for both average and power. The problem here for me with him long-term 
is that I think he might be a designated hitter. He's not nearly the fielder that Prado is. Prado is, if you're talking about on the 2080 scale, maybe a 70 glove. There, there's a very good chance that he's the type of guy you could see winning gold gloves. And yes, I know gold gloves shouldn't mean as much as they do, but it is something that people will keep an eye on. But he is that type of defender. Like he could be elite defender. Because of Pasquantino's lack of athleticism, I think he might be a DH, which means that he's probably filling that util at some point. But there's real offensive upside. Last year, this guy hit, uh, had a 394 on base percentage, 563 slugging percentage, 24 homers, actually stole six bases. I would not expect that to be a big part of his game going forward. But I do think Pasquantino is a person I want in dynasty leagues. An outside chance that he could make a contribution this year. He really impressed at times in the Cactus League this year. A lot of guys impressed in the Cactus League, some friendly offensive confines. But you take a look at the eye test, he's definitely a person I passed. If I'm playing in a deeper dynasty league, especially an AL only one, I want him on my roster. Just be aware that there is some weaknesses here that could be exploited down the stretch. But really good question. I, I would not be surprised at all if he ended up being a middle-of-the-order hitter someday. Uh, is there a reason for fantasy optimism with Matt Manning? This is a tough one because if you're talking about 2022, I say no. But if you're talking about 2023 and beyond, I say maybe. So Matt Manning was one of my favorite pitching prospects and one of a lot of people's favorite pitching prospects because, first of all, the height, it matters. The ability to get downhill, the athleticism, the son of a former NBA center, a guy who throws in the mid to high 90s, decent deception, obviously wasn't fooling too many hitters in his taste of major league action, but really struggled in his first taste of that action like we were just talking about. A five, an ERA of well above five, really looked lost at times. I can't count on Matt Manning to be a contributor this year, but I do want to point out Casey Mize really struggled in his first taste of MLB action as as well. Tariq Skubal struggled in his first taste of MLB action as well. And there are people who had Matt Manning ranked ahead of both of those guys. And I understand it. Again, the athleticism, the fact that he had a a well above average fastball, a well above average curveball at times too, and a third pitch that looked like it was making progress. So I think that there is a chance that Matt Manning could make that leap. I just can't count on it in 2022. There are too many quality starters for me to take a risk on Matt Manning to begin the year in a, like a redraft league. Long term, it would not shock me if he ended up being a mid-rotation starter or better. But I do, I do think there were some p- reasons to give pause based on what we saw last year. And, you know, there, like, there are guys like Carlos Hernandez of the Kansas City Royals is somebody that I'm rostering over Matt Manning. Or, you know, somebody like... Uh, Chris Flexen is even somebody that I'm rostering over a uh, Matt Manning as, as much upside as he has. It's just too risky, but I do think that he's somebody in dynasty leagues. I would be holding on to that was a little bit of a ramble, but that's okay. What stats do I pay most attention to? Boy, this is a loaded question because <laughs> it's, it's difficult and you kind of have to go by leagues and it have to, you have to go by um, developmental age as well. So like, Batting average is one that I think we've all kind of realized that batting average is flawed, right? It's a statistic that we have in fantasy because it's that five by five stat that we like, because it's the way we've always done things. 
by the way, doing something just because it's always been done is a stupid reason to keep doing things, but I digress. But I do, I like on base percentage. I think you have to be careful with on base percentage in the lower levels because pitchers cannot throw strikes. It is very difficult at the young age for these kids to repeat their deliveries. So yes, it's nice to see them not swinging at pitches uh, that are outside of the strike zone. And you definitely would be weary of somebody who's not getting on at a high clip and is swinging at absolute garbage all of the time. But on base percentage starts mattering a lot more to me as we get further along. It doesn't always carry over. You need to see uh, the ability to recognize pitches, but on base percentage is something to to keep an eye on long term because it matters so much as we advance further and further, the ability to get on base, it should be an obvious point is obvious, but for some, it's some it, it just isn't. There's going to be times where players struggle to pick up the baseball and those on-base percentages don't carry over. Uh, slugging percentage, you're looking at, you know, especially at the, again, at the young age, these kids are going to get stronger. So you're looking at the doubles turning into homers, those type of things. Um, for pitchers, if they can throw strikes early on, it's a really positive sign, like I, like I was talking about. It's just not easy for pitchers who sometimes are 16 or 17 years old and asking them to repeat their delivery on a consistent basis. That's asking an awful lot. So those guys who can throw strikes, strikeouts, you know, are always going to be something that you have to take a look at. Again, at the lower levels, it can be a little misleading because hitters just struggle to catch up with velocity or they're seeing even decent secondary stuff for the first time. Stolen base percentage is one that I kind of pay close attention to because yes, you know, you know, you have to have the speed to be able to actually steal the bases, but I want to see the guys actually successful at doing it. Who's getting good jumps off of pitchers. Every stat at the end of the day can be a little bit misleading. Um, There's always going to be context. I've always said that uh, the job of a scout is not to take a look and, and dissuade, be, be dissuaded by analytics, but figure out why a number is happening. Why is a player uh, putting up the numbers that they do? Why is a player, how sustainable do you think this is going to be? So it, it's, it's a tough question to answer, but those are kind of the numbers I pay the most attention to. On-base percentage, strikeout percentage, and stolen base percentage, especially in fantasy baseball. <laughs> The stolen base matters. It's definitely something that you have to keep an eye on. Is Tristan Casas a player who could help this year? And I've heard Casas and Casas. Let's just call him Tristan for now. Yeah, I think that Tristan is a player who can help this year. I do want to caution everybody. It's funny. We're talking about a couple of first basemen. First basemen can often be a problematic position for fantasy baseball because, especially for prospects, the hitter has to maximize his value in order to become a regular if he's playing first base. If you're at shortstop, yeah, you can become a regular even if you don't quite max out in your your hit tool or your power tool because you're playing a premium position. And if you're not quite ready for – if you're not athletic enough or don't have quite the arm strength for shortstop, you can move to second base. You can move to center field. You can be a corner outfield. If you're already playing first base, you are limited to first base. And while Tristan is a very good defensive first baseman, well above average, I would say, that's the only position he's going to be able to play. It's either first base or designated hitter. And that's going to get even more true. It's it's very rare for players to 
gain speed, although we'll talk about one who actually has gained a little bit of speed in just a second. That's my one worry, but the offensive potential here is significant. This is a player who has at least a 60 hit tool, at least a 70 power tool potential as well. So you're looking at the type of hitter who can hit 300 and hit 30 to 40 home runs in a season. Yes, that is definitely somebody that I'm looking at for my fantasy roster. No, I would not be surprised if he was playing every day for the Red Sox at some point this year, especially if that power and hit tool look like they're ready to go. Again, obvious point is obvious. He'll start out in AAA. I imagine he'll have no problem adjusting to that number. Do you think there's a little bit of an opening there for him to play? Like at first base, there's some some decent options, but I think Tristan is actually the player with the most upside and floor of those options as well. So yes, he is definitely somebody that you want to keep an eye on. I wouldn't be using a draft pick or anything like that, but I do think he can be a helper this year. He just missed being a member of my top 10 to open the year. Is Matt Brash worth a draft pick and would you keep Christian Pache? So these are kind of interesting ones, both in the AL West. So Matt Brash has earned that fifth starter spot that has already been announced. I don't think he's worth a draft pick. I think he's a very interesting streaming option. Um, My question with Brash is going to be how he's used to begin the year. Because here's the thing, and this is true about a lot of starting pitchers, but this is going to be even more true for a lot of younger starting pitchers. I would imagine that there are going to be times where he only goes through the lineup one time. So you're talking about three innings at most. So you're not going to qualify for the win like that. I'd be much more interested in Brash if he was pitching behind an opener because then you get that chance at that W. I think that's a really flawed fantasy thing and something that we're going to have to start looking into. But but that's just the, the nature of the situation. But there's no question about the stuff. Like this is a guy who has a, a va- above average fastball and one of the filthiest sliders in the minor leagues right now. Like anybody who's had a chance to watch him pitch has to come away impressed with that slide piece. It's very impressive. There's a third pitch there in his change that's not near that level, but it's enough to keep hitters cognizant. So this was at the time when he was drafted by the Padres. Real bad trade, by the way. Taylor Williams for Matt Brash. Definitely one that A.J. Preller is probably going to look back and uh, scratch his head on a little bit. But he was more of a command over stuff guy. That's not the case anymore. But in, in turn, the command is now closer to 50 on the 2080 scale, which is average. Could have some some whip issues, but my biggest concern is going to be just how many strikes, or excuse me, how many times through the lineup he's going to get. Definitely take a look if he's facing weaker lineups like Oakland, which we'll talk about in just one sec. Yeah, I think I might be, I consider him in the lineup, just be prepared that there's a chance he's only going three or four innings. As for Pache, so it would depend on the format. It would also depend on you know, like what you're looking for in your outfielders because Pache is one of the best defensive players like that I've ever scouted, position or not. Like he can just flat out go get it in center field. It's really fun to watch. I don't know if he's ever going to hit to the level where he is a elite fantasy option or even a very good fantasy option. Now he ranked in my top 100 prospects and he ranked there partially because he has shown flashes of being a hitter with 55 power and around that average. So we're talking about like a 270 hitter with 25 homers. Certainly you can do a lot worse than that. But I think the floor here offensively is pretty low. And one of the reasons why he ranked very high on a lot of fantasy lists, mine included, 
is because of his speed, there was always the hope that he was going to start stealing bases. It's time to give up on that. He is just not going to be a stolen base threat. And until proven otherwise, that is just not going to happen. And if that sounds like another obvious thing, yes, if he, he does it, obviously he can do it. But there's just no evidence that points to the fact that he's going to be a stolen base guy. As fast as he is, he's never been very good at it, and he just doesn't do it very often anymore. So uh, in a deeper dynasty league, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And it, for just 2022, there's no way. You can do so much better than Christian Pache to open the year. But in a deeper dynasty league, I, I, I would consider it. Um, but I would just be prepared to be disappointed. I, I, great real life player, just such a good defensive outfielder. But there's the real question marks in terms of the fantasy bat. Uh, thank you guys again for those questions. Again, Crawford underscore MILB. Please DM me any prospect stuff, any keeper stuff, what have you. I will do my very best to give you a good answer. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... A charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Those of you who have followed me for a while, and I apologize about that, uh, know that I do a list every Monday during the regular season, and that is my top 10 prospects for 2022. So let's reveal that here, because I think it'll be uh, something that you guys get a kick out of, and I can give you a little bit of a, a background on all these guys. And I will caution, this is just a list for 2022, so we're talking about only helping in the 2022 season, and two... A lot of these guys are already on major league rosters and will not be on this list to begin for next week. So it's going to change a lot. And I'll go over that list again next week. But this is a really, I mean, loaded group. It's one of the best top tens I could think I have done in a very long time. Many players that I had to leave off. Let's just go over a few of the players that I did have to leave off. Uh, Shane Baz, uh, right-handed pitcher for the Rice. Just need to see that he's healthy. Jaron Duran absolutely deserves a spot on this list. When's he going to play and where is he going to play is the question mark that I have there already since the minors. Uh, Reed Detmers, I think, still has fantasy value, but I do believe he's a better real-life pitcher than a fantasy pitcher. Uh, Brendan Davis, again, going to likely open the year in the minors. 
Huge offensive upside. Definitely going to be a guy who's on this list next week. So will Alec Thomas of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Seth Beer, also of the Diamondbacks. Super underrated fantasy prospect. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez of the Orioles. Going to open in AAA. Wouldn't be shocked if he's up by June. And Nolan Gorman of the St. Louis Cardinals. Love him at either second or third base. Probably going to be second base because of some guy named Nolan Arenado. So let's go in reverse order. We'll go 10 to 1. And starting at number 10, it's a fun number 10. It's C.J. Abrams of the San Diego Padres. So as of print time, (laughs) which is what I wrote, but as of the time that I'm recording this podcast, I guess that kind of works as a print time as well. We have no idea if C.J. Abrams is going to make the Padres. But it's starting to look a little more likely than it did. It's certainly looking more likely than it did to begin spring training. And it's starting to look a little bit more likely. Uh, If I knew for sure that C.J. Abrams was going to make the roster, he would be number three on this list. This is a hitter who can hit for average, underrated power, not talking 30 homers, but 15 to 20, I think is reasonable. And he's going to steal bases. Oh boy, is he going to steal bases? I mean, you're talking about if he gets a full season, it would not shock me at all if CJ Abrams was among the stolen base leaders. He has that kind of speed and that kind of ability to read pitchers. Some swing and miss, you know, but approach at the plate is solid. Everybody raves about this kid. I think if not for the injury last year, and for those who don't know, had a pretty significant knee injury. And then he had a shoulder injury. I believe it was a shoulder injury that kept him out of the Arizona Fall League. They were just being as precautious all get out. I don't blame him one bit. But if C.J. Abrams makes a major league roster, you need to start talking about taking a late and maybe mid to late round pick on him because the fantasy upside is palpable. Uh, Number nine, Joey Bart, catcher for the San Francisco Giants. So. We'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure if Bart was going to make this list, even knowing Buster Posey's retirement and the fact that he had such a wide, wide open lane to a spot with the Giants to open the year. But after watching him in the Cactus League action, I have to put him on his list. He's been really impressive taking the ball out to the opposite field uh, the day I decided to put him on this list. And again, recency bias will affect us all. Went three for three with a walk and an opposite field homer. Uh, the worry here, and we'll talk about it with another prospect here, is the fact that young catchers often struggle. For every Mike Piazza, there are lots of guys who just don't handle it very well. And it's also worth pointing out that Bart hasn't looked ready, per se, in his limited time in the majors thus far. But a very small sample size. I think you're looking at a catcher who can hit around 250, 20 to 25 homer rates, driving a decent amount of runs in a pretty good San Francisco lineup. I don't think he's a starting catcher to begin the year, but he's definitely one of the best 25 or 24, excuse me, for a two catcher league. If you're playing in a 12 team league, I think he's definitely worth starting in that type of format. And it would not shock me if he finished the year as a top dozen option. He is that talented Uh, at number eight, Joe Ryan. So this is kind of a weird one because he's at number eight and he's the opening day starter for the Minnesota twins. And that's pretty cool. It, this is going to be a trade that I think Minnesota fans, as as great as Nelson Cruz is, and I love Nelson Cruz. My grandma really loves Nelson Cruz. Um, she's one of her favorite players when he was on the Seattle Mariners. I always talk about grandma on every podcast, it seems like. But Joe Ryan has a chance to make Minnesota fans very, very happy for a long time. He doesn't have like the elite stuff of another arm that we're going to talk about and some of the arms we talked about below on this list. But he commands the heck out of it. And there are two plus pitches here. 
There's two more average ones and the ability to throw everything for strikes and not just for strikes. It's the fact that he commands it. Like Joe Ryan puts the baseball where he wants to put the baseball. I think Joe Ryan has a chance to be a top 60 starting pitcher, maybe higher. And I'm just being super low on that, I think. But there are there's every reason to believe that he's worth a draft pick in whatever format you're playing in other than NL, because I don't think Joe Ryan would do very well in an NL only format. But there's a lot to like here. More high ceiling than high floor, but there's certainly reason for fantasy, a uh, reason to expect fantasy success. Uh, number seven, and this one kind of hurt me a little bit, Riley Green. So it looked like Riley Green was well on his way to making the opening day roster, and then bad news happened, and he fractured his foot. So there's good news that comes with this, and it's good news is obviously you can't see me, but I'm holding up my quotation marks. Uh, it is in the bottom of his foot. So that's a better from all of the medical stuff I read. He's not going to need surgery, but he's going to be out six to eight weeks. So which that puts him out for two months. So you're looking at a player who is probably making his debut in the middle of June at the earliest. Very good chance of July. Very good chance that maybe they just wait until after the All-Star break. But when that happens, and obviously I must like him if he's still making the list, knowing that he has a chance to be really really good because he is really, really good. A hitter who hit 301 with 24 homers and 16 stolen bases at double A AA and triple A. There's no weakness in this guy's game. Now there's no plus plus tool that I see here, but I think everything has a chance to be plus. I think you have a chance to see a guy who hits 270, 280s in his best years. That may be asking a, a little much for a rookie, but he certainly has a swing path for it. 20 homers, 15 stolen bases, those type of rates, I think, are very realistic for Riley Green. Can't draft him now, especially with the fact that you can't put him on your injured list. Uh, it's weird to say, but it would have been the reason to draft him is that you could stash him on that injured list and then wait. But that's just not a thing that's going to be able to be to happen. So I can't draft him now. But as soon as he looks like he's about ready to get that call up, add him because the upside here is extreme. The floor is pretty high here as well. One of the most high floor prospects in baseball, definitely a player that I want on my fantasy team when I can. And number six, and this one hurts me for a different reason, is O'Neill Cruz. So I think everybody saw O'Neill Cruz just absolutely blast a couple of homers, look like he's more than ready, and the Pittsburgh Pirates said, LOL, not so fast. So Cruz is going to open the year in AAA, uh, Pirates manager Derek Shelton called it a development decision. Whatever helps you sleep at night, buddy. And obviously, that's probably not Derek Shelton's decision. That is the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is a clear case to me of service time manipulation. And we are seeing a lot of prospects make the roster. We'll talk about a bunch of them in just a second. But this, to me, is clearly one of the reasons that you know the, the idea of getting a draft pick or something like that is not going to stop teams from from blatantly gaining that extra year of service time. Now, I still think Cruz will be a short stint. I would imagine he's up sometime in May to make sure that they get that extra year. But once he's up, this is a six foot seven shortstop, which is such a ridiculous thing to say, who also could play some in the outfield, but the ball just jumps off this guy's bat. Left-handed swing. I think he has the potential for 30 homers in his best season. Can also steal some bases. He's a, he is not the question is not his athleticism. It's just you don't see too many guys who are built like power forwards height-wise 
that end up, I guess six, seven in nowadays more of uh, is more of a small forward, but he is definitely a guy who has a chance to make a difference in that. And he is, despite the fact that he has six foot seven limbs, he doesn't have that long swing. That's going to lean to a lot of strikeouts. This is not going to be an Aaron judge type of thing. Now he doesn't have Aaron judge's power either, but I do think he has a chance to hit for average. And I would imagine that he's hitting in the middle or near the top of that Pittsburgh lineup. Now it's not the best lineup in the entire world, but that's still a nice thing to have rather than hitting seventh or eighth in that lineup when you're just driving in nobody. So I do think that O'Neill Cruz is a must-get in fantasy leagues, and I think you can justify taking him at the end of your drafts. You're just probably going to have to wait a month until you see him. Uh, number five is Adley Rutschman, catcher for the Baltimore Orioles. I was kind of uh, not. Dis- it's very disappointed to see an injury anytime, but I was very interested to see whether or not Rutschman would have been one of those players who was going to make the major league roster, but his triceps injury is going to keep him out for at least three weeks. I would imagine it'll be a pretty short stint. Now, everything I talked to you about with Bart is true about the worry for a a rookie catcher, but I think Adley Rutschman is one of the most ready to go catchers that I've ever scouted. And I've been doing this for a while. Plus hit tool, plus power switch hitter, outstanding eye at the plate, recognizes pitch as well. It's so obvious just watching him follow the baseball that he is seeing everything so well. Not going to steal bases, but you're just not going to get very many catchers who do. That's one of the reasons like someone like Dalton Varsho, who has that catcher eligibility, becomes so much more valuable because of that. But you you don't need the steals for Madley Rutschman. Baltimore lineup isn't as bad as I think some people might think. There are There is some chance to drive in some runs here with guys like Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle and Trey Mancini, one of my favorite stories from last year. I think he's going to end the year as a catcher one. The only reason I have to rank him five is the fact that he does have the injury and we're not going to see him until May. But a a player, I think you can justify a draft pick. Okay, so these next four are all players that have made their major league roster. Probably (laughs) there's one name here that hasn't quite officially gotten that call yet. But it very much looks like this player is going to make the roster. But number four is Hunter Green, and he has been told he is on the opening day roster. And he's probably the player I'm most surprised is making the opening day roster. A very pleasant surprise at that, but a surprise. Last year, this was a kid who struck out 139 hitters over 106 in the third innings. Consistently gets his fastball over 100 miles per hour. Complements it with solid secondary offerings that can make hitters look real silly if they're sitting on the fastball. Repeats his delivery pretty darn well. One of the most athletic young men you'll see from at the uh, at the pitcher position. I guess one concern would be that the stuff isn't always consistent. The, the velocity always is there, but the secondary stuff can kind of wane. And I don't love that ballpark. So he's a little bit more. I want him on my roster, but I'm going to be careful about the pitching matchup. So, for instance, Hunter Green is going to pitch on Sunday against Atlanta. I might avoid that one. I might be looking more when he's facing teams like uh, like Pittsburgh and Chicago and Miami, though, that type of thing. So in a way, he's kind of a streamer, but he's a streamer I'd rather have on my roster. And if things go bad, okay, you, you can drop him. You're going to have to drop a lot of your pitchers. Anyway, that's just the way this is working right now. But I think Hunter Green has a chance to be outstanding. Like the 
this was a kid I think should have been the first pick of his draft. Just unreal athleticism at the mound. So much velocity. He's going to miss bats. You're going to take some right hits at times, but I do think Hunter Green is going to provide more good than bad in the 2022 season. Uh, number three, another guy we know who's going to be on the roster, uh, Spencer Torkelson. I'm calling him Torkey. I don't know if anyone else is calling him Torkey. Spencer Torkey Torkelson. Uh, again, easy to place him this high because we know he's going to be on the major league roster. Uh, the first overall pick in 2020, big time power potential. Uh, a guy who can take the ball out to any part of the park on any pitch that is being thrown to him. So it doesn't matter if you're trying to beat him outside in, inside out. He is, I almost did a take team rhyme there. He is more than capable of hitting the ball out of the park, but he's not just a grip and a rip hitter. This is a player who has the chance to hit for average. You, you look at his 267 average and maybe think, oh, that's not so great. That's misleading because he got off to a horrible start and then made the adjustment. But that is something to caution you with about, especially for a player with this little of an experience. I would expect an adjustment period. I would expect the fact that he is going to um, maybe go through some growing pains. I would. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Andrew Vaughn, who just looked awful to begin the year and then really came on strong. Now, overall, the numbers were a little disappointing, but I think Spencer Torkelson is better than Andrew Vaughn. I also think there's something to be said about the fact that he's third base eligible this year. It's not going to happen going forward. So in Yahoo leagues, you can't do have the ability to play him at third, but if at that first base position, you can probably do a little better at the third base position. I think he might be a third baseman one to begin the year. And certainly a guy who's worth rostering in that corner infield spot because of his power. I like Torkelson a lot or Torkey as he likes to be called. I don't know if he likes to be called that or not, but Spencer Torkelson, definitely a guy I'm drafting. If you haven't drafted yet at number two, and I have to be honest with you, I did give some thought about putting this guy at the one spot as good as number one is I did give it some thought. And at number two, it's Julio Rodriguez. Now Rodriguez is that player that we don't know for sure yet. If he's made the major league roster, if he doesn't make that major league roster, shame on the Seattle Mariners, Seattle Mariners, shame on them. He looks more than ready. And the fact that he's been playing center field is really interesting to me as well. I don't think that's his long-term position. But we talked about a player who has increased his speed. Now, Julio Rodriguez was by no means a slow player when he got signed. But he was somebody you were projecting average speed from. It's now plus, and it could be closer to plus plus. He can scoot. Uh, I think that there is a chance. So he stole 21 bases last year. I think there's a chance he could put up a similar number this year. Really do. And just talk about feel for the barrel. And he takes the ball out to the opposite way. So easy. He has such a great approach at the plate. Can hit for average. Can hit for power. The only reason I'm ranking him at number two is twofold. Number one, we don't quite know for sure if he's making the major league roster. I think it's going to happen. I put the odds on it at about 75 to 80%. You may find out on Monday that he's already made the roster. Wouldn't shock me at all. But it really looks like he's going to be there. And then the second thing is, is it's outfield. The, the guy who's at number one is a shortstop. The premium position weighs out a little bit for me. And he's already been told he's going to make the roster. But yeah, Julio Rodriguez... If you have a chance to go get him on the waiver wire right now, if you've already drafted, do it. If you're drafting, I think he's worthy of maybe a top 150 pick. And, and again, that's aggressive, but the eye test doesn't lie, man. And the eye test tells me that this kid is ready to make an impact right now. And speaking of making an impact right now, 
Number one, I'm sure there is no surprise, Bobby Witt Jr. So Bobby Witt Jr. has been told he is going to make the major league roster. Of course he has. It's it's funny to say that because there was a chance, that I guess, that Kansas City could have done service time manipulation. And it's worth pointing out that last year he looked ready to go and Kansas City kept him in AAA. Kansas City was nowhere near contention. I wonder if the decision would have been a little easier. But again, as as much as David Moore, as Dayton Moore, excuse me, has kind of turned the corner on this and realized that uh, it's not worth upsetting your best players to gain that extra year of service time and also maybe realizes how um, uncouth it is to do that as well. There was some service time manipulation with Bobby Wood Jr. to end the last year. But let's talk about the player who's on the field and the guy you're going to see playing a lot. 290, 361, 576, 33 homers, 29 stolen bases at the AA and AAA level. Don't have the spring training numbers in front of me because spring training numbers are just kind of silly anyway. But he has torn the cover off the baseball. He can do everything. This is a prospect who literally can do everything on the baseball field. If there's one concern, it's that he's a young player and young players struggle. We got so spoiled by how good Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna Jr. and a few other guys performed that we kind of forgot that most young players go through ups and downs. But here's the thing with Bobby Wood Jr. Even through his ups and downs, I think the counting numbers are going to be there enough that it doesn't really matter. Like you, yes, there are going to be weeks where maybe he hits 210 or maybe lower than that and has a bunch of strikeouts and doesn't have any homers and only steals a couple of bases, but it's all going to add up. The overall experience with Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be a positive one. I really, really think he could be. Look, I thought Jared Kelnick was as ready to go as anybody. You saw what happened with Jared Kelnick uh, at for most of the 2021 season. Yes, there is a chance of something like that happening with any player I just mentioned. But Bobby Wood Jr., because he's going to provide those stolen bases, likely hit near the top of the Kansas City lineup, I just think there's no way to really not justify taking him with a top 75, top 80 pick. I think if he's still available in the seventh round of a 12-team league, take advantage of that because he absolutely has a chance to be a shortstop one this year. Some volatility. It's true about any prospect. Any prospect is going to have issues no matter what. No, Even the very best prospects have downtimes that cost you weeks or hurt you enduring weeks. But Bobby Wood Jr. is one of the best fantasy prospects that I've ever seen. I'd be really, really surprised if he wasn't a player that contributed right away. Uh, Seiya Suzuki would be a player. I, I think calling him a prospect is a mistake and kind of disrespectful. He probably ranks second on this list, maybe third. Him and Julio Rodriguez would be competing. But I do think Seiya Suzuki has a chance to be fantasy relevant. Uh, a lot of people ask me about that. I didn't rank Shohei Otani on this list. I didn't rank Haseon Kim on this list. It's just calling them prospects or rookies just doesn't seem right to me. But if you're wondering where to take Seiya Suzuki, I would say he's somebody who belongs right in the range of Julio Rodriguez, that top 150, top 160. Expect some ups and downs, but I do think the power is going to play out. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for your questions, and thank you for listening to me ramble on. We're going to be doing this uh, for the foreseeable future, and uh, if you guys like what you're hearing, 
please rate five stars. We really appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned on Tuesday for Drew and Janice for their first power ranking of the year. I'm sure everyone's really curious who's going to be in the top spot. Well, let's just pretend it's not the Dodgers for a second. Okay? Uh, again, you can follow me at Crawford underscore MILB. And also, again, if you like the show, please rate the show five stars and make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. So until next time, please have a great week. Happy opening day in advance and stay safe. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big.